It's that time. It's the Last Call podcast with Chris Michaels. I don't know if you've any any of you have heard that the Pfizer narrative is falling apart thanks to Member of Parliament Rob Roos. I assume that's how you say his name. He is from Dutchistan. He's Dutch Member of Parliament. They had Janine Small up there in front of the EU uh, Parliament. It was supposed to be Albert Borla, CEO of Pfizer, but he had some pressing matters to attend to, so he could in not in any way find himself to be sitting in front of Parliament and answering questions. He's just too important to be bogged down by such minuscule, ant-like beings before him. So Janine Small decided to let the cat out of the bag. Essentially, Rob Roos asked her, and she is a director over at Pfizer, he asked her, um, did, uh, essentially, and I'm going to sum this up, did Pfizer know whether or not these COVID vaccines would actually stop transmission? And her answer was, no, we didn't know, we didn't do any studies, because we had to, quote-unquote, move at the speed of science, The speed of science is not introducing experimental gene therapy prophylactics that have to be supposedly in order to work, have to be injected into somebody five to six times over the course of 24 months, more than likely at least three to four times a year to in fact work. That is not a vaccine. So, member of parliament, Roos, decided to let everybody know that Pfizer is full of it. And Pfizer should not be in any way introducing any more products into the market that would affect people's health. Because nobody knows what, in fact, is going on with those injections. Because anybody that took them is part of a trial. That's why when you hear certain people go, well, I had them, I got the booster, and nothing happened to me. Well, if you're part of a trial, that means there are different batches made up of different parts of the vaccine, including placebos. So, in other words, you could have gotten nothing but sugar water and guess what oh i got everything and everything's just fine with me yeah is it is it really because you probably got a placebo or you've got such a low dose of whatever it is that's in these things that it didn't affect you as much as other people because these trials and include this is found in the fda documents they go out until 2027 so there's another five years of studies going on before the stuff can even be approved. So, thankfully, we got this out of Pfizer. So that begs the question, if they don't prevent transmission, then what are they doing? Why are they injecting people in the West? Why are males of military fighting age adversely affected by this stuff in the form of strokes, heart attacks, high blood pressure, you name it. Why is somebody trying to hollow out military-aged men so that they cannot fight and suffer from strokes, heart attacks, high blood pressure, and blood clots? Please tell me, could there be some kind of seditious act involved? Could there be some kind of treasonous individuals planted throughout the federal government? I don't know, 
but it certainly sounds like it because this is the long game here, right? They don't expect everybody to drop dead because they've been injected. But, but, like always, oh, we've got World Economic Forum, uh, by 2030, you're going to own nothing and you'll be happy. Or the UN Plan 2030, where everybody is relocated to smart cities and and the, the the land across the planet is divided into three different sections, essentially off-limits, so uninhabitable land that's only for nature, land used for agriculture, and land you can live in. The land you can live in is going to be a smart city. So that's what they intend to do. So if they started to inject people and everybody started to keel over, it's too much, too soon. So what they have to do is weaken immune systems— and once these immune systems are weakened, almost anything could create a, a reaction in them that's a lot worse than what it would normally be. So a cold suddenly becomes a flu. Now, we're not going to go down the road of when new radio waves and electromagnetic frequencies are introduced into the environment, which also, strikingly enough, or oddly enough, is, has striking similarities to people afflicted with flus and colds uh, because of the adverse reaction from... In, introducing new electromagnetic frequencies into the environment. Uh, but here we are. So let's hope that these Pfizer documents that come out at the end of every month and uh, more people within the government start to question Pfizer, I do not think anybody here in the United States will be able to do that. But thankfully, people in the EU are able to. So next up, Tulsi Gabbard. She said, enough is enough, I'm dropping out of the Democratic Party. But she doesn't say which party she's going to be in. She goes, I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that is now under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness who divide us by radicalizing every issue and stoke anti-white racism. By the way, you cannot put anti-white, uh, not anti, uh, white lives matter on TikTok because they blocked the phrase. Talk about sowing discord. Uh, actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms, are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, demonize the police and protect criminals, believe in open borders, weaponize the national security states to go after political opponents, and above all, dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. I believe in a government that is of, by, and for the people, uh, blah, 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 on so, you know, and of course, she goes on to Joe Rogan, first person she speaks to, and says that whole diatribe yet again. And she goes, I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. Hello, Joe Manchin. Now, here's my big problem with Tulsi Gabbard. She claims to be so altruistic. She's here for the little guy. She believes in the American dream, and she just wants peace across the planet. So my big question to you, now that you've gotten out of the Democratic Party, when are you going to renounce your membership to the World Economic Forum? That's right. She belongs to the World Economic Forum. She was part of the, I think it's called the Young Global Leaders or the Young Global Leadership, or something like that, you can go onto their website, and you can look up their alumni. So she's part of it. So if you really mean what you say, sweetheart, please stop palling around with Nazis like Klaus Schwab. Stop trying to infiltrate uh, what would seemingly be pro-American 
policy think tanks, if you truly have America's best interests at heart, then you should not only renounce the Democratic Party, but also renounce the World Economic Forum. However, she's not exactly wrong, because none other than Mayor Eric Adams of New York City, who, whenever he's not working out or trying to find some tailor for himself, because he's always in these elaborate suits with these poofy ties, he comes out and says, oh, we're going to introduce two bills that essentially makes boundaries within New York City where law-abiding citizens cannot carry concealed firearms. Basically, what this is a trial balloon for is whether or not they can have constitution-free zones within particular areas. That's the bigger picture here with Mayor Eric Adams. Everyone thinks, oh, well, it's just New York City. Oh, it's just New York State, and they don't like guns, and that's it. But New York City is the size of many countries across the planet. So if New York City can effectively somehow essentially violate the Constitution by saying your Second Amendment right is not observed within Times Square, that means that they can start introducing legislation and laws that say, oh, you can't go into this area and express whatever, you can't express your right of freedom of speech. You can't go over there and have a gun over there. They're trying to take apart the Constitution by introducing, oh, it's a little area that you cannot exercise your constitutional rights and so sorry about that sorry uh you you can't do anything along those lines that's what he's really talking about here and that's what the democrats are trying to do if it can go over if it can go over in new york state watch for other democrat cities introducing legislation like that oh you can't Ha, uh, no freedom of speech over here. Uh, nothing like that over there. You, no freedom of the press over there. Oh, this area in New York City is so dangerous, we can just perform illegal search and seizures without any kind of warrant. So that's just what it has to be for your safety. Uh, this needs to be fought against in the worst possible way. And unfortunately, many New Yorkers are cucks and they don't have the testicular and ovary to do it. They don't know what's even in their best interest because they're so stupid. They've got their heads so far up their asses they can't see the light of day at noon with no clouds in the sky. They don't care. These people are globalists. They are, I would say, seditionists on some level, and they should not be given any political clout. They should be fought against by with tooth and nail every inch of the way, bothering from here to kingdom come, just tearing apart any sort of law that violates the Constitution. You can't just say, oh, the Second Amendment doesn't apply in Times Square. You can't express that. Uh, that's not what the Supreme Court said, by the way. So that has to be stopped. So Tulsi Gabbard is right about that, Democrat Mayor Eric Adams. But Tulsi Gabbard is also right about something else. This comes from the cradle.co. 
U.S. Army loots new batch of Syrian oil as fuel crisis deepens. This was from October 8th of this year, so a couple of days ago. So get this. When, when in anybody's memory, does it trigger uh, for us to recollect when, not to be redundant, when did America invade Syria? Was there any lo logic behind that? Was there any anybody saying, oh, we've got to go into Syria? Oh, we're fighting terrorism in Syria. Was there any official declaration of war to go into Syria? Not that the United States ever feels the need to follow the law and declare a war. But does anybody remember any of this? So now they're actually talking about what they're doing, and essentially anywhere between 70 to 100 oil tankers transport Syrian oil out of the country into Iraq, and then poof, it just disappears. Where's the oil going? The amount of oil that the United States is extracting from Syria, stealing from Syria, 66,000 barrels a day, every single day. And that basically equates to about 80% of Syria's oil. What are we talking about here? The United States is a recluse. The United States has got to stop basically stealing across the planet. They've stolen everything from the Russians, uh, well, the Russians that they put under sanction. So they took their money. They took their yachts. They sold off their yachts. They went into Iraq, stole the oil, went into Syria, stealing the oil, and if Americans are so hard up to have lower gas prices, then please tell us where 66,000 barrels of oil a day is going. Where is it going? Who's getting the oil? Right? Are they shipping it to the Ukraine? Are they shipping it to terrorist groups? Are they somehow funding or supplying black projects? With this kind of oil, where's the oil going? That's the first thing. The second thing, why are you stealing oil from another nation? Why did you invade Syria? Where's, where did that come from? So Tulsi Gabbard is right about that one. And I'm going to leave you with this uh, because there was a Vice article. And I keep talking about this. I keep talking about this over and over. They are trying to really prep the narrative here about the idea of foreign life and the uh, foreign life, uh, extraterrestrial life, life from another planet. And the whole end game behind that is they want to say that, oh, mankind isn't from Earth. Mankind actually came from these aliens. And wouldn't you know it, all of the elites like the Rothschilds and the Soroses and the, the what do we got here, the Habsburgs, the Golthas, if you're into the royal family of England, they all share the same genetic lineage as these beings from another planet that seeded Earth. So they are the progenitors of humanity itself. What are the odds of that? Oh, so there are true leaders all along. They are, in all intents, the true blue bloods. The 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 man, not the manifest. Uh, what what is it called? The divine right. 
The divine right is actually something that's true. So we should all bow down to these honest to God oligarchs. Well, that's the, the narrative that they're trying to build up here. This comes from Vice. Mars very likely hosted subterranean alien life and may still. So the argument here, and the, the article pretty much says, the more life you have on a planet, the colder it gets. So it doesn't necessarily square with all the Green New Deal types that say the more humans you have, the hotter it gets. They say in this article, the more life you have, the colder it gets, I, for whatever reason. I don't know. But the main point here is, is that they talk about how life potentially existed on Mars billions of years ago. That means that is Mars the progenitor of mankind. That's the angle they're going to try to go with, and they're going to start introducing more and more stories like this. Why? Mars, there was life there billions of years ago. Yes, there was life on Earth billions of years ago, but wouldn't you know it, there was intelligent life on Mars billions of years ago, and they ultimately came to Earth. That's how we got here. That's going to be how they angle it. Trust me with this. Trust me. It may not be this year that they're going to say this. It may be next year or the following year, um, but trust me, that's how, it, that, that's how it's going to work. So the other thing that I said I was going to do the other day is uh, go through that UFO report from the FBI vault. It's 69 pages. I got through a decent amount on, of it, but there was one little itty-bitty piece called uh, The Flying Roll, San Diego, California, July 8th, 1947. So they decided to, the FBI decided to create a memorandum of a bunch of individuals, highly intellectual, university grads, university heads, and everything else, and they determined what could potentially be in these flying saucers. So they say, there's nine points to this, parts of the disks, the flying saucers, carry crews. Others are under remote control. Number two, their mission is peaceful. How would they know that? Their mission is peaceful. The visitors contemplate settling on this plane. Notice how they say they don't contemplate settling on the planet. They contemplate settling on the plane. Keep that in mind. Number three, these visitors are human-like, but much larger in size. So, Think of all of those giant myths that go back to the Bible and even before. Number four, they are not excarnate earth people, but come from their own world. So, that's a big word, excarnate. What does that mean? It means to be stripped of your flesh, stripped of your body. So, in other words, let's rephrase point number four. They are not the souls of earth people. They come from their own world. In other words, they are of an energetic nature, not a corporeal nature. They don't have flesh and blood. They've got an energetic presence, almost like a mist, right? Almost like a ghost. Number five, they do not come from any planet, 
but from an etheric planet which interpenetrates with our own and is not perceptible to us. In other words, their planet vibrates at such a higher rate that they can literally pass through it. They can pass through the physical Earth plane. That's why they said they're contemplating settling on this plane, because that would require them to, vi- to reduce their vibration to a point where they suddenly become solid. In other words, they don't, they're no longer excarnate, they are now carnate, they incarnate, right? Number six, the bodies of these visitors in the craft also automatically materialize on entering the vibratory rate of our dense matter. So they're able to transfer their essence between planes, between vibratory planes, in order to interact on our level or their own level. Number seven, the disks possess a type of radiant energy which will easily disintegrate any attacking ship. Number eight, the region from which they come is not the astral plane, but corresponds to the locus, L-O-K-A-S. Students of esoteric matters will understand this term. So what is a locus? Locus, you can find it in Buddhism, you can find it in theosophy, Jainism, all these different religions, Hinduism. Basically, it is... If we're to sum up all of them, there's different types of them that, you know, depending upon which religion you go in, there's 14 in some, there's three in others, there's six in three in some, you know, so there's different levels. Basically, the higher locus, L-O-K-A-S, you go, the more aware you are. So Jainism likes to sum everything up, three different levels, the realm of gods or heavens, the realms of humans, and the realms of hellish beings or their infernal regions. No, I'm not talking about vaginas and penises with that one. So, in other words, these beings vibrate and interact at such a high rate of energy and vibration, they probably come from the realms of the gods or the heavens. This comes from the FBI, by the way. Number nine, they probably cannot be communicated with by radio, but possibly by radar, if the radar is attuned properly enough. So this is very, very big, because now you're talking about people that are able to interact on an energetic level that doesn't necessarily mean they can be seen, that can shift in and out of a corporeal state and still maintain their consciousness and awareness. That's a huge deal. That's enormous. So that also leads us down the road of what I spoke about many times before with AI and CERN and trying to contact various beings that don't necessarily have a physical body, right, that could essentially possess a human because if they're vibrating at such a level where they can move through physical earth matter, that means they could also more than likely influence the magnetic fields and the chakram of individuals and various energetic fields that every single person emits. Think how amazing that is from that perspective. It almost makes you think, is there a true reason why they started to spray heavy metals in the air with chemtrails or try to inject people what seems to be shots full of graphene oxide to deaden the vibration 
to make sure that certain things can't come into, or, in other words, in another direction, make sure that the vibration is at such a level. The frequency of the metal, the frequency of the graphene oxide resonates with the human body to a point where the human body is able to be essentially stepped into by something. Interesting, food for thought. Then later on in the uh, UFO uh, FBI vault released Subject Matter Flying Saucers by Edwin Bailey Jr., uh, from uh, Connecticut. He's an informant. So there's the, the names are scrubbed out in this little bit. And this in this paragraph, it reinforces what I've said yesterday in the prior weeks, that these flying saucers, these UFOs, whatever they could be, they're more than likely of human origin. You can read a whole bunch of stories about Nazis creating weird types of UFOs and flying craft. I brought up those news articles about the Nazi defenses in 1944, in December, and, and throughout 1945, these balls of light and whatever else. But this goes to say that there could potentially be something along those lines that I've been talking about. And so what you're looking at is that something probably along the lines that Nazis never went away. And they really had some fantastic things up their sleeves that they didn't want anybody to know about. And so what you now have is a breakaway civilization, to steal a phrase from Dr. Joseph Farrell of Giza Death Star, a breakaway civilization that basically can threaten any other planet, or any other, possibly planet, but any other nation on the planet, because it has this fantastic technology. So it doesn't matter if you're part of the United States or Russia, you know. You, you have these individuals that are transnational, that don't care what nation they belong to because they have this technology that allows them to basically hold them all hostage. Kind of makes sense. So in this little bit, this, uh, this part of the FBI document goes to reinforce that. So-and-so, which the name is censored, stated that the topic of flying saucers um, had caused considerable comment and concern with present-day scientists. And prior to advancing his own theory, he remarked that immediately after the conclusion of World War II, a friend of his allegedly observed flying saucers from an observatory in Milan and Bologna in Italy. Italy? What are we talking—how—what's going on in Italy? Well, it turns out Italy, during World War II, had some very, very top-secret aeronautical programs occurring within its country in northern Italy. They were sharing technology with Germany— and developing things probably of the nuclear nature. You'd never heard about that. So, he stated that apparently at the time, the flying saucers had caused a little comment in Italy, but, uh, <coughs> see, the, the voice is cracking, I'm already up 26 minutes, Could, uh, but they could possibly, these flying saucers, be radio-controlled germ bombs or atom bombs. Now, bear in mind, this comes from an FBI document back in 1947, okay? So germ bombs or atom bombs, which are circling the orbit of the Earth and which could be controlled by radio and directed to land on any designated target at the specific desire of the agency operating the bombs. Notice the phrase agency. He doesn't say country. He says agency. He stated that one of the items of interest 
would be that he personally observed the fact that the saucers are observed in places like Mexico City, New Orleans, Philadelphia, New York, Boston, Halifax, Newfoundland, Paris, Milan, Bologna, Yugoslavia, Albania. By placing a string around the globe of the Earth, it would be noticed that all of the above-mentioned cities form a direct orbit or circle around the Earth and would be more or less in line of any path in which the saucers could be circling. So, if you look at a globe and you draw a straight line from Mexico City to Albania in Europe, and you go through all of the aforementioned cities, you know, New Orleans, Philadelphia, New York, Paris, Milan, and so on and so forth. If you look at it on a globe, you go, well, that's strange. It kind of looks like it, it, it shoots up from Mexico City into the U.S. and kind of does a weird arc into Albania. And on a globe, it kind of looks like a weird semicircle kind of line. So how is this orbiting the Earth, right? But if you look at the Earth from the perspective of the North Pole, like the pilots do when they fly planes, it is a straight line across North America into Europe. It is a straight line. It's not a weird arc. It's not some weird trapezoid-style figure. It is a straight line going from New Mexico to New Orleans, Philadelphia, New York, Boston, Halifax, Newfoundland, Paris, Milan, Bologna, Yugoslavia, and eventually stopping in Albania. So what this scientist is saying is that somebody has put things in the air into orbit and they could potentially be holding the Earth hostage to its demands along a particular longitude. This is crazy stuff from 1947 that you would find in the FBI vault. Crazy stuff. So, at 30 minutes, I'm going to call it there. I will continue reading the FBI UFO document, but that is that is going to be it for me tonight. I'm a little tired. So, as always, you know what to do. And um, next week, I'm going to be, I'm supposed to be doing another podcast with another individual. He seems like a fascinating person. He's actually a real uh, go-getter and journalist, not like me, where I brush over everything. And, you know, in all honesty, I never meant to be a podcaster, like a news journalist type of person. I've always meant to be uh, like an Imus-style person where I'm out there bringing other people in so that they can talk about their stuff. But here we are. I just ramble on incessantly about nonsense where um, almost nobody gets nothing from it. So... That's going to be it for me. You know what to do. You know where to find me. And I appreciate the shares and listens. Do not stop whatever you do. Do not stop being the lovable fuzzballs I know you all are.